Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. What's up, enterprisers? Welcome to another episode of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we shape the mindset of the high achiever to think like an entrepreneur. We talk with masters of the craft to get the cheat codes to success, helping elite enterprisers level up and maximize their brand. I'm your host, LZ, the mayor. Now let's get to it. So, David Skurlock. Thank you so much for taking some time out. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me at this wonderful facility that you've established here, LZ Podcast Town, right? That's it. We So this location has been dubbed the Podcast Town Academy because, again, the vision behind this place is we're going to teach a lot of people some podcast stuff, right? Everything from the live session um, set up all the way to the training room and things like that. So, yeah, I, I love the space. It's- Very cool. I've, I've been in a few, but... Nothing quite like this, so I would certainly recommend individuals that want to learn. This looks like the place to come, for sure. So that was a master class in buttering up the host. Make sure you butter up the host if you go on podcasts. There you it, go. It's effective. Butter is effective. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I'm excited about our conversation because you do VR. Yes. But that's not all you do. We'll get to that in a second. But what I want to do is talk a little bit about your background, because when I first met you, feels like that was about two years ago. At least. yeah. And you started talking about your background in training and education. And I thought, wow, he really knows his stuff. And that's led you to this adventure that you have going on in your face. But let's talk a little bit about your background, your sure. training. What skill set do you have, do you bring to the table? Well, I um, first of all, I'm a proud alumni of the Milwaukee Public School System. So I was born and raised in, in Milwaukee. I actually went to tech. So that's kind of where some of the technical background comes from. And then I went to uh, did my undergrad at UW-Milwaukee. And then first job out of school was with IBM. And I was in sales and marketing. And I had a mentor once that said that sales sells the first product, education and customer service sells everything else after that. Mm. And that still sticks to me today in that I just really got a passion for training. I found out early in my career, and then I went on the Conoco Minolta business machines and ultimately finished at Johnson Controls. And after about three years, three and a half years of successful sales experience, I gravitated into the corporate training, education, workforce development area. So uh, different certifications in that area, but it was always around leading edge technology and educating individuals. So kind of got the passion for doing that. And particularly at IBM, Sears Holdings and the Home Services Group, and then at Johnson Controls, we were working with technicians, salespeople, business owners. And it was really important that they were getting impactful training 
and that they were getting skills that they could go transfer to run their business successfully. So over the years, just really got passionate about that. And again, being kind of a, a geek at, at heart, always kind of loved gaming and things of that nature. Once I realized I wasn't going to get a career in the NBA or any kind of sports area, I thought, well, let's really get serious about business and, and that. So really just over the course of my career, the combination of people skills, customer service, and training and education is really how it led me to what I'm doing here today. So you're being very modest. You literally built an entire training program at one of your roles, but you kind of just glossed over that. Talk a little bit about that. Well, yeah, I was kind of proud. I was the first of training for Culligan International, and I spent nine years there. And there really wasn't a formal training organization in place. Now, again, I'll toot the horn that the best training that I ever got and the passion that I got for the training was my during my days at IBM. And that even when I think about the individuals that were training me and that I got to be a guest instructor and things of that nature, I was able to take those skills and help to build from the ground up a training organization. And, and back then, it was the, in corporate speak, the corporate university. So we established Culligan University. And that was everything from how do you install, repair, to the customer service aspect. And that, again, if a technician was going into a business like yours, they had to know how to greet the customer, how to make sure that they didn't take their tool case and put it down on a granite countertop. So Culligan University really expanded on all of those aspects. And I can't say that I did it alone. One of the things that I've learned is that find the subject matter expert. So for example, rather than try to do a podcast, find the person that knows it well and partner with them. So I would partner with the marketing department. I would partner with the technical department that was in the engineers. And then when it came to marketing and sales, we had maybe advertisers or the finance team that came in and educated individuals on how do you present the solution. So I can't take all the credit. I like to think of myself as the architect and then go find the right subject matter experts and bring them in and really support them and give them the framework so that they can shine. And so over the years, Culligan University really grew to be quite a, a fun ride. And I really piloted a lot of that after McDonald's University, believe it or not. Mm. Just a quick story. We had a new Culligan distributor. And he called me up one day and he said, I liked your university, but you could probably learn some things if you go over to McDonald's University. And I was working in Northbrook, Illinois at the time. And McDonald's University was over in Oakbrook. And what was interesting is I thought, well, I'm going to go in and learn how to cook a hamburger and see Ronald McDonald. And boy, were my eyes open in that they were teaching business skills. They were teaching 
entrepreneurs how to run a business. And so that was another education that I got is that you really want to be holistic in any kind of training and education that you do. So I took bits and pieces from successful organizations and kind of built that into Culligan University. There are literally about at least a dozen business lessons in what you're talking about. So in my mind, what you're talking about is organizations investing in their people, understanding that when you invest in your people tend to be happier. Yes. And happy people tend to produce better. Yes. And better production leads to happy customers. Yes. Which happy customers leads to more revenue. You would think that most companies would get that, but that's not the case. The fact that IBM, number one, understood that and invested in that program, invested in you, look at what the results are. Now you're paying it forward, investing in other people and started your own business, yes, uh, which yeah. is my next question. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing these days. I heard you say that you are nerdy in terms of technology, so you're always on the cutting edge, which is another business lesson. Always be looking at what the market is doing, what the market is not doing, and listening to the market. I can't tell you how many business friends uh, that I have that they don't do that, and they go out of business because they don't take the time to pay attention to what the market is telling them. So tell us a little bit about In Your Face and what the vision behind that is. In Your Face Learning, and I can't, again, I can't take the credit for that name. It was actually my brother and nephew that we were noodling around. And in essence, what I do, and I'm going to reach down here. A lot of people are familiar with the headsets, the Oculus headsets. So what I have done is taken virtual reality, or VR as it's called, and I've gone out and started to curate a lot of educational kinds of applications and experiences. A lot of people are familiar with virtual reality. It's been around for quite a while, everything from the little Google glasses to, but there's a lot of very interesting educational kinds of applications and now even workforce development. And so what I've decided to do is bring those kinds of, again, training and education and just use these as a tool. And I think that's one of the first things. So in-your-face learning is, in essence, you're putting on the headset, and it is literally in your face. And we can talk a little bit more about that, how immersive that it is. And so that's what they call virtual reality. The other side of it is everybody doesn't have the headset, and a lot of people have tablets or most of us have phones now. Well, that's what's known as augmented reality. And so we'll use some of that depending on the use case. And the best example of that that a lot of familiar people are familiar with is Pokemon Go, in that I'm going around and finding the little avatars in the parks and that. Well, that's augmented reality. If you think of a lot of the big box stores today, whether it be Lowe's, Home Depot, or whomever, and you're looking at your room here and you decide, I want to see what the color of that paint might look like, or I want to see what this table would look like in the room. You can now take that and augment it or place it in an environment. So that's augmented reality. Today, the two are combined and they call it extended reality. So I think of it as just a tool 
that really allows individuals a different way to learn and to become educated. And where my real passion is right now is working with the youngsters. And it's called the Minecraft generation or the, they're all playing games. And that's part of the thing that's interesting is that most people think of it as the roller coaster, I get in the haunted house or do something, and that's all fun and good. But now, because the form factors are becoming more streamlined, the technology is becoming more user-friendly, it can now be used for education, taking a virtual field trip, for example, that a lot of the students that I've worked with have never left the environment that they're in. But we put them in the headset, they can take a virtual tour of the White House hosted by Barack and Michelle Obama. I'll be working with the school in Glendale. They're studying space exploration right now. We put them in the headset and they're virtually in the International Space Station and they can experience what weightlessness is. So that's in essence what I've decided to do is take those kinds of applications, use either virtual reality or augmented reality as a tool and go into schools all the way up into adult learners. And I'll just share another interesting use case that it'll be the third core heart that I'm doing next Saturday. And that's a group uh, in Milwaukee that's called My Way Out. These are individuals that were impacted by the justice system, and they're now coming out and they're going to go into the workforce. And so they go through a program where they learn how to use a cell phone, learn how to use a computer. I come in as part of their graduation, bring in the headsets, and give them an opportunity to see what leading-edge technology is. And I will tell you, I have had individuals that have gotten tears in their eyes because all of a sudden, wait a minute, my son, whom I'm now trying to develop a relationship with, has had this tool, and now I understand something that I can use it for. So I'm really just excited about taking this technology, still kind of geeking out and nerding out, and working with things from middle school, young people, all the way up to adult learners. And every day it's a different day. That's super cool. Talk about some of the outcomes, the learning outcomes and things like retention and things like that, that you've seen students and people enjoy based on VR. You called it VR, XR and, and AR. I, I want to dig into that a little bit more, like just the nuances. But tell us a little bit about some of the outcomes that you're that you're seeing. That's a very good question, because that's usually the first one of the first questions you get, especially if you're talking to business owners, educators. And so Pricewater Cooper House, about five years ago, started to do a study where they took some learners and used the traditional classroom, used e-learning, and then used virtual reality. And then when they went back and did the research, they found that individuals that were using VR as a tool learned four times faster than individuals in a traditional classroom, that they were 275% more likely to transfer the skills from what they learned onto the job. So again, learners, adult learners, big transfer. Another one that was quite interesting is the soft skills. It's being used now for interview practice, for I've got to have a difficult conversation. I'm going to practice a TED Talk. And that using virtual reality, because you're immersed in it, that individuals are 3.7 times more connected emotionally 
to the uh, to the content than if they're doing it just in a traditional way. There was another interesting study, I think it was The Hill, and they were looking at workforce development and apprenticeships and organizations that were using technology in Ford Motor Company, direct supply here, Johnson Control started using it. And they found that training gave a $7 return on every dollar invested. Seven to one? Seven to one. And so that goes back to the question that you ask is, why is it so effective? And now organizations are starting to say, well, wait a minute. If we don't invest in our people, if we don't continue to train, we lose market share, we lose customers. And as opposed to cutting training, how do we become more effective in using it? So whether it's virtual reality, whether it's augmented reality, I like to think about it and I will talk to my clients in that it's just a tool. It's you, You're not replacing classroom. You're not replacing e-learning. Another example is the pandemic and all of a sudden we had to transfer real quickly to e-learning wasn't that successful. Teachers had difficulty with it. Students had difficulty with it. So it becomes a tool when understood how to use it and how to effectively apply it. It has those kinds of returns. So in essence, that's what I do is I'll work with whomever that client is to really, first of all, understand their use case, their business case. That goes all the way back to kind of being that business consultant during the IBM Culligan days and then saying, well, for that case, maybe VR is the right solution. Maybe it's augmented reality. And so it's those kinds of statistics that are and companies are becoming more and more aware of. And when you look at the the younger generation that is already acclimated to gaming, and some of this technology has gaming gamification in it, so you get a badge, or I did this good, I want to do a little bit better. So it's kind of the carrot and the stick, if you will. So it's really all of those things combined inside of these tools that are making it so effective and getting people to become more aware of using it, whether it's an education or whether it's a business owner that's using it. What are some of the other implications, right? So I'm running my business. Why should I be looking at VR, AR, and you called it XR? Mm -hmm. For example, you could do a digital twin of Podcast Town. So in other words, you and it sounds like maybe you've done some of that where you've taken the 360 videos, and now somebody has a headset, they can put on the headset, and just like we're having this conversation, you can walk them right through the studio, and they can actually see the studio. I'll use Direct Supply as an example. They were using it initially for design and development, in that architects will design the building. They've designed some of the stages at Summerfest, for example, the architect firms, and before they put the first stake in the ground or paint the walls or move it, bring the client in, let them see it and actually walk through virtually what that space looks like. And well, I would rather have the windows a little bit larger or instead of blue curtains, I'd like to have red curtains. So you can do all of that design and development work before you even building it out, or you want to bring your clients in, I can't come in today. Well, if you have a headset, 
and you'll be surprised how many people have them now because of the cost. That's an example of how it can be used. I wish we had VR back when I was coming up as a young traveling engineer. I'll never forget there was a system that we were installing in Minnesota in February. And my number got called. I had to go in the field and install it. For the life of me, couldn't figure out why this system wasn't working. And at the time, it was a, a what they call a, a dicer. It's like the you ever go past these little dome-looking things? Mm-hmm. Well, that's gas in there, right? And, and so couldn't get it to work. And so now I had to go outside. It's February in Minnesota to figure out why the sensor that's on top of this thing isn't working. It would have been really cool to be able to not have to do that and to do it virtually and say, oh, it's because the wire is not connected and you need to. But what are some of the ways that you are educating people on the fear factor, right? Because there's fear involved in this new technology. People feel like it's going to replace them or that they'll become secondary or not as useful. How are you easing that? That trepidation. The best way is putting them into the headset so that they can see it. I'll give you two examples. At the time I was at Sears Holding and when the first flat screen TVs came out, Philips, LG, we can't afford to give you seven, eight televisions so that they can take them all apart. They could do that with washers and dryers and that. So that was a case where And I'll never forget sitting in the room, engineers, technicians, and they're sitting there with their arms crossed because they're used to turning the wrench. And I go over here and Philips, Sony, and LG said, no, 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 no. Our technicians are in Alabama or wherever they are, and we're going to show them virtually how to get the back of the TV off. And once they could access it, they knew how to do the testing. Johnson Controls, you've got a two-ton air handler today sitting up on the top of this building. And if I can use virtual reality or augmented reality to at least do a diagnostic and send that back to the technician that's in a lab somewhere, now all of a sudden that person that was resistant, their eyes open. Give you another example. I'm doing a project with UW Parkside, and in about a month or two, we'll have an entire VR laboratory set up. The way that started was Dr. Peggy James was doing a summer program, brought in leaders from Kenosha and Racine. They were anywhere from the ages of 20-something, 30-something, over 50, and they were doing an African-American history class for a summer program. Brought in the VR headsets, and I'll never forget walking in that morning, and there's 18 teachers sitting in there. Some are on the edge of their seats because they were gamers. Some are sitting there with their arms crossed. And so the whole concept was you're going to use this so that you can, and there's a great little short later, Traveling While Black, it's called. And this was in the Civil Rights Movement. What was it like? And it was the Green Book story. Mm -hmm. What would it be like? if you had to travel during the Civil Rights Movement. And the teachers were required to use it in their class, come back, give research on how did it work, and then what would you also use this with. What was interesting is that the more mature teachers found the tool as an asset. First of all, the students gravitated towards it, I didn't have students that were just looking at a video or listening to me lecture. 
I can allow them to experience it. And then they engaged themselves and started talking. And so as a result of that, we're now going to set up this immersive laboratory at UW Parkside where teachers and students will come in and get educated. And there are schools now that are teaching in virtual reality. Morehouse, Fisk University in Illinois are using it as part of their educational process, not replacing, but in addition to. So a long answer to get individuals to try it and make sure you understand the right use case and that it's not just the roller coaster or the haunted house or some of the other or entertainment kinds of things that are out there. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a, a small business owner and I'm thinking of other ways to incorporate VR into my business, how do I shift my mind? Because a lot, we just came out of the C word and nobody could do anything in person. And now you're saying, well, actually, there's a lot that you can do in this whole virtual world. How do you begin to do that whole mindset shift that's necessary as a business owner, entrepreneur, that you already have all of these other things, right, that are going on? What's the first mindset shift that, that we need to be thinking about? I would say start small. In other words, find a good use case. It could be the digital twin of your environment. And then I would say you want to start small and then try to get feedback from whether it's a customer, whether it's your employees, and let them become comfortable with it. And again, you'll find some customers may or may not gravitate towards it initially. Or, oh yeah, I've got that, uh, my kid's got the VR and he broke the TV when the, when the headset and the controller went. So you kind of get beyond that. So I think if you find the right use case first, start small. And I don't want to say start younger, but if you find someone that is already kind of into gaming or into technology, they're going to be curious. And then they will start to convince and sell others in, inside of your organization. Yeah, it would be really cool if my whole sales process was in, in a virtual state. You log on and you get to meet you get to meet the Mayor Podcast Town through this virtual environment. The other thing, and I want to nerd out here for a second with all the possibilities, because I think when you think about virtual reality, what ChatGPT is doing and what AI is doing, I think I think wearables is going to be a thing. I think destination retail is going to be a thing. I think VR, XR is going to play a huge role in that. So from that perspective, what is the future? What could the future look like in terms of when you think about things like um, I was teasing my wife the other day. I was like, because she, her mom's a teacher. And I'm like, why, why are we teaching our kids things that they don't need to learn? Do I need to know how to write an essay? And I, some of, partly I was just being devil's advocate because mm -hmm. I knew it would annoy her, but that's what husbands do. And I was like, do we need to teach them these things? If I could enter this into my user interface and say, write me an essay about podcasting. And it could give me an essay about podcasting. Why do I need to know how to write an essay? And she obviously had counterpoints, but where could this go? What are the pie in the sky things that, that we could see with VR? And what are some of the dangers? Some of the things that we should probably be careful and watch out for these. Things? Excellent question. A couple of things. First, in a business setting, in an educational setting, 
you're using what would be referred to as a private metaverse compared to, and I'll just Zuckerberg land. And now, before you head down that path, what the heck is a metaverse? Okay, metaverse is the area or the space that you're in when you're inside of the headset. So, for example, there is Horizon. There is there's now one called Gorilla Town, where you're you're in this space and it's a public domain. And I don't like it in that you could have an eight year old kid and they're using all kinds of profanity or they're in your face. What I mean, we have social distance. Well, in VR. I can get right up in front of someone's face. And there's some real horror stories I won't go into. So that's a public area. When you look at what a business would do, what Podcast Town would do, or what Kia did two days ago, I was in one broadcast from Germany. Well, that is a space that you have to have a password, you have to be invited into, and it's a very controlled environment. So there, you could be talking with an individual and you know who the individuals are. You have already somewhat vetted them. And if someone comes in and is doing something counter to whatever your business or your mission is, you can ask them or you can make them leave. So that's one area. It's the security and it's the safety. The other thing that you mentioned is the form factor. And again, boy, that thing looks like the goggles on my head. When I say very quickly, over time, the form factor is going to get lighter. Think of snowmobile glasses, or there are some out that surgeons and they've been using in the military that literally almost look like glasses. And then the other aspect is that as the technology already evolves, and even the MetaQuest 2 now, you don't have to use the controllers. Your hands are actually what you're doing. So, for example, you'll have someone that, and they're saying eventually, the screens will go away. You can put on the glasses, and I can have a spreadsheet here. I can have all of my screens here, and I can fill up the room. And I'm using my hands to do that. So, for example, another one with workforce development, and where you get individuals that may not play games, they're not used to using the controllers and what's the A button. Put it in the hands of someone that is used to that, and they know exactly what to do. So what's going to happen is safety and security to make sure that individuals are there for the right reasons and are not insulting anyone in any way and making them more user-friendly. So they're lighter. The battery life, or when I put it on, it lasts for a longer period of time. And then that's another way of getting people to understand that when I'm using it, They'll suggest 13 years and above. And I've worked with some that are eight years old, 10 years. It just depends on the maturity of the young person. But one of the things with educators and even with business owners, you're only in there for a short period of time. So let's say you take them through a tour, the mayor of Podcast Town, and you're interacting with them. You may do that for 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Now they've seen your lovely studio, what you do. Now you take off the headset. Now you're having a conversation, just like we're having here. So getting people to understand, use it as a tool. And as the next generation comes out, 
What's interesting is, and again, I kind of geek out on this stuff, most of the power is in the headset right now, and it's in essence having your phone in the headset. The next generation that comes out, the power is going to be in the controllers. And you can put on gloves, for example, and use those. Police can put on, and I've seen this, where they can put on a vest. It starts measuring heartbeat, eye flicker. And wait a minute, your pulse is up. You need to calm down a little bit. So that's the good. Now, some people will, I don't know if I want people to capture that information. Where is that information going? Again, if it's a private metaverse, you have the information. I can also, inside of that headset, delete everything so that once we're done as a user, that goes away. So it's really, an, I think, an education process. And as people find it to become more user-friendly, the cost goes down. And that's really what's happening is it's becoming more user-friendly. There's more use cases. There are now more companies dedicated to just workforce development, to just education. Even when you look at the Oculus, which is the most popular, many of the applications that are coming out now are exploration of space. I can use Wander, which is like Google VR, and we'll go into the classroom. Where in the world would you like to go? Oh, I'd like to see what Switzerland is like. Boop, they're in Switzerland. Well, I'm from Mexico, but I've never been to Mexico. Boop, they're in Mexico. And then you put it up on a big screen, and while one person is in the VR, everyone else is watching, and you need to take notes. What did you learn by that? Take off the headset, now you have a discussion. And so that making it more user-friendly, getting it more cost-effective, and more developers coming to that space to do either workforce development or education, I think that's what's going to get it to start growing exponentially. What about competition? Because right now there's not a ton of players that are sort of owning the technology and the way Mark Zuckerberg, don't sue me, but I feel like that social media as a concept, as a construct is shifting. I know I'm not alone in my annoyance with how much control certain platforms have over who sees your content. And I wish, David, I wish in my business, I got the product for free, made millions of billions of dollars off of such product, and I don't have to share any of the revenue with the people who gave me the product. That is a brilliant business model. I think that's going to more and more be challenged. I think people are getting sick of that, myself included. It's like some of the videos that I do, I spend hours thinking about what I'm going to talk about who I'm talking to. Now, I understand that there's give and take, right? They built a platform. But I think there's going to come a time where creators are going to, for lack of a better word, rise up and say, wait a minute, we're providing the content. We're doing all the work. We want a larger share of not only the access to this digital world, but we want a piece of the pie. You are so right, Elsie, in that, and that's part of, again, my mission working with the young people be a creator, not just a consumer. And again, Mr. Z and some of the others, they just want you to consume while the cash register goes. Well, nowadays, again, whether you're using and the platforms for creating are getting to be more user-friendly, just like whether I'm using Adobe or I'm using, and really it's real. And there's a couple of forms that you can use to create. 
and that's the other thing that's interesting is you can create an avatar that looks just like you. So you can have on your podcast town, you have your hat on, whatever. And so part of what I can like Can my do, avatar have hair? Yes, it can. <laughs> your avatar can have hair. You can put on the beard. And that's what's really cool is that when you go into some of the metaverses, individuals are in suits and ties or you can dress this way. And so part of it is I go in and work with young people. I want you to create an image, but it's going to be a positive image. And excuse my expression, I don't need your pants hanging down and I don't need you, whatever it is. And that's another interesting aspect that I'm passionate about is that, and don't get me wrong, but if you look at Mr. Z and that group, they're creating a environment that looks like them. But, well, I'm a gamer and I'm a 20-something-year-old that comes from the suburbs here, that may not look like where I grew up and what my nieces and nephews. And so what I want to be able to do is, and we start, we're starting that conversation. You, you like having fun? Well, let's create an avatar and let's see what you would look like in a suit. Let's see what you would look like if you didn't have hair. Or if you did have glasses. The possibilities are so exciting because you talk, you think about things like if you're a business owner, you can literally own digital real estate that you can then resell and charge people for access to. You think about things like you're creating this avatar, but somebody sells you the digital sweater that that your avatar is wearing. So there's this whole digital side of things that I think as business owners, my mind is blown with the different opportunities. I'm just beginning to start to think about what would that look like if you could come into a digital podcast studio and do your show in the podcast town mm-hmm. metaverse or whatever that would end up co- being called like what would it be like if on my sales calls it was virtual like what would that world look like so so again it could feel kind of overwhelming when you think about the possibilities and just learning about this whole world what resources are there out there if you're like me that you're kind of tippy-toeing into it and starting to learn that you can really dig in as an entrepreneur business owner or educator and start to learn about this whole digital world how it works who the players are what the opportunities are i think if you and you go out and start googling vr creation or again they call it immersive technology or extended reality And again, the immersive technology is the fact that I'm in a metaverse. I'm in that space. So, for example, you're hearing whether it's Snoop Dogg, whether it's Martha Stewart, all of these folks are making these areas. Kia, for example, like I said, I went on a tour where they put you in the car and you were actually driving the car, feeling what it was like, brand new car. And as soon as you came out, they then transported you into what they're showroom of the future was going to be in Germany. Avatars walked up, introduced themselves to you. They were dressed in. And so the first thing I think is to start to experience some of those things. And that's where then the creative ideas and juices come from. And again, you don't have to be a coder. One of the things that I get asked all the time is, are you creating this? Are you a coder? Did you develop all of this? And no, I'm not 
that geeked out. I, what I do is I find the tools that are there. Now, creating the avatar is just as simple as you start with the body and then you want to put a hat on and you want to put a... And another interesting thing as it expands and where it's different from a gaming perspective to a business perspective is that, and again, in, in Z world, Zuckerberg's world, they're cartoon characters and they have no legs. You know, it's just the body up here. Well, that's because of the bandwidth and everything else. Well, when you're using a private meta, and now the power is a little bit more, you're creating head to toe. And the sneaker companies, the automobile companies, they can put their cars of the future. If you go to the auto show, I can pretty much assure you, Mercedes, Lexus, some of the higher-end cars, they're going to give you a headset and allow you to literally get behind the wheel and practice it. The issues that we have here with driving, you can put someone in a headset and what is it like if you're impaired? What is it really like? And we knew how back in the day we did driver's ed. Slowly but surely, there are some companies that are starting to use it that way. So I would say you can go out there and find a couple of companies that are doing that. I like to use one example here in town. It is a direct supply. And they were using it initially as they were designing some of their facilities. Then they found out that some of the seniors that were in there, and in their studies that are showing this, that they get in the headset for a short time, and it can help Alzheimer's, and it can help with, because all of a sudden I can go back to Italy. I can walk in the streets of where I grew up, and all of a sudden, so there's a lot of, cases out there that as a business owner, you can look at and see what they're doing and then start to develop it on your own. And there are now schools, Milwaukee School of Engineering, UW-Parkside is going to start doing it, where there are courses where you go in and you have someone design the studio for you or help you in that content creation. And it's just going to become easier, more user-friendly, just like PowerPoint and some of the other tools we use. And really all you're doing is once you've designed it, then you import it into the headset or you import it into AR so that you can see it on a tablet. Some people get motion sickness or get claustrophobic and don't want to use the VR. And that's, they've gotten on the roller coaster. They, someone has had them walk the plank and they don't want to get in it anymore. There are a lot of applications where you can just sit down and do it that way. So start to look at some of the use case scenarios, and then you can start to think about how you can incorporate it inside of your business. Very cool. I have about a thousand ideas on what that might look like for us. I'm really excited about the future. It'll look different, not better, not worse, just different. If people want to reach out to you, learn more about In Your Face training or to just say hi, can they do that? I have my website that is, I'm converting it into more of a VR, AR, but it's winyourfacelearning.org. And that's probably the, the easiest way. I personally look forward to partnering with you in the future and maybe bringing some of that education here and teaching them podcasting and what you're doing in your lovely studio. 
And then, as we're going to do in a few minutes, let them get in the headset and start playing around. Cool, cool. Well, I, I'm already thinking about my avatar. I'm definitely going to have hair. And I'm going to do like the 25-year-old version, like with the muscles and stuff. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm gonna my go avatar down, is totally going to have muscles. I'm going to go down 20 years. And, but no, you can, yeah, you can create it in almost any image that, that you want. And yeah, it's fun once you once you start kind of playing. And and the neat thing is that today, again, in a lot of just the games and the applications, you're creating your own avatar. One of them that's ultimately cool and in, in short it is the NFL, and that literally Titletown Tech, the Packers, have invested. There's two young gentlemen. They happen to be African-American. One played NFL football and the other one was Division One, and they were gamers. They have created this NFL simulation. If you watch the NFL games, every once in a while they put on the headset and that was, that's next. You you want to be Mahone, you want to be, well, I don't know how many people want to be Rogers today, but that's another story. But you can do that. You can change the avatar to be whatever team you want soccer, any of that. And so you can start, and it's all object-based. So I'm going to put the hat on here, change the color. And again, you don't have to be a coder, or you don't necessarily have to know how to use Unreal Engine or what some of the more higher-end folks are doing. It is becoming much more object-based and user-friendly. So I would say, I think you told me your son has a headset. Get in there and just start playing around. And the next thing you know, we'll see LZ with some muscles and have fun at it. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate the time. This is fun. I enjoyed it very much and look forward to the next thing that we do together. All right. Looking forward to it as well. If you got value from today's show, we want you to join the Enterprises Elite email list for more nuggets and resources. And remember, no excuses, just execution. Go get it. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email. Mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.